like to encourage you to take your Bibles. We have been journeying for the last eight or nine weeks uh, looking at different Bible characters, characters that you normally don't uh, hear a lot about. We've looked at some of those. But uh, today we're going to look at one that I don't know of one that has impressed me anymore than this particular one, and this is Stephen. Stephen, of course, was the very first martyr for his Christian faith. Stephen was a man of God that was used in a mighty, mighty way. And we're going to look at that today. Acts chapter 7, and we're going to look at verse 54 and following. We're going to see of how Stephen gave his life for the cause of Christ. So with your Bibles open, I invite you to stand with me in reverence of reading God's Word. The Bible says, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Can you imagine looking, having an opportunity to take a glimpse of heaven? And not only to be able to take a glimpse of heaven, but to be able to see the Savior looking down, my. And the Bible says in verse 56, and said, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears and ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. My, what, what an adventure. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for men and women like Stephen. We thank you that they were willing to die for the cause of Christ. Lord, help us to have that type of spirit. And boldness. Father, we pray that the Spirit of God will speak to our hearts and speak to our minds, and that in response we will do according to God's will for our life. We pray for your anointing, pray for your ability to be able to share what you would have us to speak here today. We're so dependent upon you, and we cry out upon you 
For we ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. One of the most interesting things that I have had the opportunity to do was to read about some of the martyrs of the faith. The foundational years of the church were stained with blood and with countless faithful souls who was willing to die for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Tertullian, an early church father, made this statement one time. He said that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And all how you go back and you study of how there have been so many men and women who've given their life for the cause of Christ. I've had the opportunity in my life to visit certain places of where there have been men who have died for the cause of Christ. And in those places, I must admit to you today, it was a very humbling experience. And not only was it a humbling experience, it was almost like I was standing on holy ground, knowing that they were these men and women who had died for their faith. I'm reminded of St. Andrews in Scotland. Some of you golfers, when you hear that, you immediately recognize that is, of, of course, of the old course known as the oldest golf course in the world. Many times the British Open is played there. And it's famous for that golf course. But I go a step further and tell you that it's really famous in my eyes for something else. There's two particular people that gave their life for the cause of Christ there in St. Andrews. There, of course, was a man by the name of Patrick Hamilton. Patrick Hamilton, in 1527, he was charged for blasphemy and heresy of the Word of God. He was a Scottish Christian. And but because that he stood firm on the word of God and stood firm upon the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ, that many of the churches of that day looked upon him as a blasphemer. And there, in that place, he was burned at the stake from 12 to 6 p.m. that night. And there in the cobblestone, they have a monogram, P.H., of the exact place of where he had died for the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. Outside the castle of St. Andrews, there is another monogram in a cobblestone there. And that monogram was GW for George Wishart. For in 15, let's see, in 1546, he also was accused of blasphemy 
and heresy. But because of his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and standing firm on the word of God and the death and the burial and the resurrection and on the fault and the truth that Jesus said that he was the way, the truth, and the life and no man can come unto the Father except by him, he was strangled and also burned to the, at, at stake. Two great men of God died for their faith. I asked myself the question, am I willing to die? If, if there were armed soldiers that would come in here in this place today, with machine guns drawn, Would we be willing to say, I'm willing to die for my faith? It's a good question to ask ourselves. Well, as we go and we begin to look at this man, Stephen, I'm so impressed with Stephen. Stephen, of course, means crown. And the name Stephanos which, of course, is the Greek name of Stephen, literally means the crown of life. James, no doubt, must have thought about that when he wrote in John chapter 1, verse 12, when he spoke about the crown of life. Somehow even suggested that it's the martyr's crown. So his name was so well-deserved that he was a martyr for the cause of Christ. And I want us to look at this man today. And I want us to become more familiar with him and to see of how his life can challenge our lives. Because, my friend, I remind you that he was just an ordinary man just like you and me. He was a man that had come to know the Lord as his Savior and it changed his life so drastically that he not only lived his life for Christ, but he gave his life for Christ. Let me share with you a few things today. First of all, I want us to go back and just begin to think about the ministry of Stephen. The ministry of Stephen. The first time we meet Stephen in the scripture, is in the sixth chapter of the book of Acts. It is, of course, of where the church begins to rise and it begins to go grow expediently. It's amazing of how fast the church of Jerusalem began to grow. And you began to notice early in that church there was a servant a man that had a desire to serve God with all of his heart, and with all of his mind, and with all of his soul. And his name was Stephen. Now, as you begin to think about Stephen, he was one that you would consider a chosen servant. He was chosen by God, and he accepted the call of God. You'll notice that there in that early church, 
that they were the very first ones that elected deacons. And Stephen, of course, was one of these first deacons. He was not only the first deacon, but also the first martyr of the faith. The role of the deacon was, of course, was to help to establish and to help to uh, solve a problem within that church. That church was having some problems. In Acts chapter 6, verse 1, it tells us this. Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. An explosive growth there in the church of Jerusalem. They tell us, that in the book of Acts, in chapter 2, verse 41, that on the day of Pentecost, more than 5,000 souls were saved. And then, of course, as you began to read in Acts chapter 2, in verse 47 and following, that souls were being saved daily. And as there were countless numbers of people were being saved, Acts chapter 4, verse 4, says that there were also 5,000 more were saved on that day. Someone have said that there were as many as 20,000 members at the church of Jerusalem. Somebody asked, well, what was the name of that church? I believe it was the First Baptist Church of Jerusalem. And, and there as I began to notice that that church was no different than any other church. It had problems just like all churches have problems. And there they began to notice that there were some needs that were arising within that church. Physical needs as well as spiritual needs. Now you can imagine all of a sudden in a matter of weeks that this church had grown to over 20,000 people of how do the leadership of that church handle the problems that they were having. And of course the Bible tells us that one of the problems were that the Grecian widows were, were being neglected and that they were complaining that they were being neglected. The Grecian Jews were often referred as the Hellenistic Jews. These Jews were not, uh, they were not a native to Palestine. But literally what they were, they were Greek-speaking Jews who had settled at other countries and taken up on the form of their Greek culture. But they stayed steadfast to Judaism. Now they're a part of this church. As they will remain loyal to the Judaism, they then began to realize that there was a physical need within that church. And the Bible said that they were murmurings that developed. In fact, you could say that they were grumblings. In that church. That's why I know it was a Baptist church, is because they were grumblings. 
Some people just feel like they have that special gift of grumbling. God had anointed them to grumble. Well, that church is no different than our church, and our church is no different than any other church. And so we began to find that what the leadership did, that uh, they began to seek out some men to come and to help them with the physical needs. Listen to what the Bible says in Acts chapter 6, verse 2 and following. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. Those certain men in the church came to care for the physical needs of the people while the apostles had given themselves over to prayer, studying the Word, and to deliver the Word. They felt like it was their responsibility to feed the flock spiritually, but yet they appointed seven men to take care of the needs of the church Physically, And the Bible says in verse 5, And this saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen. Stephen was one of the very first seven of those men. No doubt, Stephen was a very well-respected man of God because the Bible says that he was of honest report. That he... These men were not elected by a popularity contest. These men were not elected just because maybe they were influential in that congregation. But these men were sought after. And they looked for men to have good reputation, honest report, full of the Spirit, full of wisdom, full of faith. So you notice that he was a chosen servant. But I want you to notice a step further that Stephen was not only a chosen servant, but he was a committed servant. Among the qualifications, the Bible says that he was full of the Holy Spirit. The word full means to be complete. It means to be completely controlled by God Himself. The Bible says in verse 8 there that he was full of faith and he was full of power. He was full of wisdom. Oh, my friend, he was so completely committed to the Lord himself that the Holy Spirit of God had control of him. And by that control, he demonstrated faith. Faith, he demonstrated wisdom, and he demonstrated power. My friend, I want you to understand, that's not something that you can work up. That is something that God does 
in and through you. And so we notice that he was not just a deacon, but he was a leader, a spiritual man of God. He was a man that others wanted to follow. He was a man that when he spoke, people listened. God uses people that are committed. God uses people that have surrendered their life. I hear people today and say, I wonder why God doesn't use me. Well, my friend, the reason that God doesn't use you is probably that there's something in your life that you have not completely given over to Him. When a man completely gives over everything to the Lord, my friend, God will use you so much that He'll wear you out. God wants to use us. And he did in the life of Stephen. D.L. Moody heard a man one time preach. Henry Varley. And Henry Varley made this statement. The world is yet to see what God will do with and for and through and in, and by the man who is fully consecrated to him. When D.L. Moody heard that and says, I'll be that man. And God used D.L. Moody to shake two different continents for the sake of Christ. So we've noticed here the ministry of Stephen. But let's go a step further. Let's notice the message of Stephen. The message of Stephen. The biggest part of the biblical account of Stephen is taken up with a message that he delivered to certain Jews and to the high priest. You'll notice that that message was the God-approved message. Acts chapter 6 verse 9 said, Then there arose some from what is called the synagogue of the freemen, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and those from Silica and Asia, disputing with Stephen. The freemen, as the Bible speaks of, were descendants of the Jewish slaves that had been taken to Rome. And now they have been released. Later they were granted their freedom and they formed a Jewish community. They began to debate Stephen. As Stephen was sharing with them. And the Bible says that they disputed Stephen. In other words, they debated with him. They argued with him if you must, literally, as it doesn't say it, but I no doubt it is by being suggested that Stephen was talking about the death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and was saying that by faith alone you receive Him as Lord and Savior. And you receive eternal life. They debated him because they believed that the Jewish law was the way. 
And the Bible tells us in verse 10 that they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. My. In other words, they were no match to Stephen. He whipped them hands down when it came to that debate. And you know what happened? It angered them. And they accused him of blasphemy. As you go back in verse 11, speaks of. And they stand against him. And they bring him before the council. And as they bring him before the council in verse 13, says they even arrange false witnesses against Stephen. And Stephen stood stern. He stood strong. And he even went as far to say in verse 15, and all who sat in the council looking steadfastly at him saw his face as the face of an angel. You know why? My friend, the Bible tells us, Warren Wiersbe said, he, he, he says that his face was so radiated. It says certainly the members of the Sanhedrins would recall Moses' shining face in Exodus chapter 34, verses 29 through 30. It was as though God was saying, listen to this, that this man is not against Moses. He is like Moses. He is my faithful servant. In other words, what God done was put his stamp approval on Stephen. And the Bible goes on to tell us that Stephen stood before them And he even accused them of saying, it's that you are stiff-necked. And he said, you are the ones that have crucified the Lord Jesus Christ. Doesn't sound to me like Stephen was trying to win a popularity contest. Friend, the face of the glory of God that was upon his encounter. Can you imagine? It was a God-approved message. But it was not only a God-approved message, it was a God-anointed message. In Acts chapter 7, it says, Stephen answering the charges to the high priest there in verse 1, that Stephen revealed the knowledge of the Jewish history. He talked about Abraham and Moses Joseph and Solomon and men like that. He brought to them the understanding of what their history was. He reminded them of all that God had done for them. But he also reminded them of their past sins. See, people don't mind you preaching as long as you don't start meddling and start pointing your finger to their sins. People get upset. He concluded the message in verse 51, and he says, you stiff-necked, uncircumcised in heart and ears. It sounded to me like Stephen was just asking for it. Boy, you talking about a bold preacher. 
The Bible says that they gnashed at their teeth. In other words, they grit their teeth. Have you ever been so mad that you had to grit your teeth? That's the way it was with them. Why? Simply because their message, his message cut them to their heart. His message cut them to the point that it brought conviction. And it made them angry. The secret to the effectiveness of God using a man or a woman of God is the power of the Holy Spirit. A.W. Tozer said, It is hard for us sons of the machine age to remember that there is no power apart from God whether physical, intellectual, moral, or spiritual power is contained in God, flows out from Him and return to Him again. That is so true, my friend. R.A. Torrey, in his message, he was preaching one time, and he he asked the question, why did God use D.L. Moody? the way that he did. Then he answered his question. was because he had a very definite endowment with the power from on high. My friend, I'm here to tell you, Stephen was a man that had the power of God upon his life. Stephen was a man because that he was so bold and so straight and preached with conviction was because of the Spirit of God that was upon him. Oh, I like Stephen. Man, I appreciate a man like Stephen. But, let's go a step further. We've looked at the message of Stephen. And oh, what the message, uh, how clear and plain. It was God anointed, God approved. We've looked at the ministry of Stephen. He was a chosen servant. But now I want us to look at the martyrdom of Stephen. The reaction of those that heard Stephen and the rejection of his message led to his death. The very first Christian martyr. Verses 57 and 58 in the passage that we have before us. It says, Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran at him with one accord, and cast him out of the city and stoned him. John Wesley said, speaking of the Methodists, he says, We die well. Well, my friend, I want you to understand, Stephen not only lived well, he died well. He not only lived for the Lord Jesus Christ, he died for the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's look at his death very quickly for a moment. And you'll notice two things that stands out so special about his death. First of all, you'll notice the grace that he expressed at death. The grace. 
Now I remind you, he's been a man full of the Holy Spirit. Now you're going to see another ingredient of God being demonstrated in his life. The grace of God. It says in verse 59 and 60, And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Does that remind you of anybody? Absolutely, it reminds me of Jesus. It reminds me that when Jesus went to the cross... And the Bible says in Luke chapter 23, verse 46, And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, He said, Father, into Your hands I commit my spirit. And the Bible says, having this, He breathed His last. And then the Bible says there in Luke chapter 2, verse 34, that he knelt down and he prayed. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. My friend, I believe Stephen, I can't prove it, but Stephen may have heard the Lord Jesus Christ pray that prayer. He had made seen, he may have seen that crucifixion. And there it left a lasting impression upon his heart. Even to the point of his death, he was imitating the Lord Jesus Christ again. He was demonstrating what he had seen and what he had expressed. I mean, how Christ expressed it before Stephen. Stephen not only showed us how to live for the Lord Jesus Christ, but he shows us how to die for Him. Now you stop and think about it. Here he is being lied about, being attacked by the council and the high priest. They take him outside into the town and they began to take stones and began to throw those stones at his body. Not one time do I read a word of resentment. Not one time do I read that he lashes back at them. Not one time do I hear him holler at them or to do anything in revenge. But there you began to see him dying with grace. Dying with grace. Historical accounts of many of the martyrs down through the ages has said many, many times that these martyrs, that many times they would be praying while they would be burning. Or they would be singing while they would be burning at stake. Or while they were being tortured. Many of them would be praising. 
Polycarp, an early martyr, he said this at his dying hour. Lord Almighty God, Father of Jesus Christ, I bless you. Yes, you have judged me to be worthy of this day and of this hour. Worthy to be counted among your martyrs and to drink from the cup of your Christ's suffering. Amen. And there he dies. But not only do I see the grace that is expressed in his death. This is where it really gets good. I see the glory that he experienced in his death. The Bible says in verse 55 and verse 56, but he being full of the Holy Spirit. Now listen to this. This is while he's being stoned. But he being full of the Holy Spirit gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing. Underline that. Standing at the right hand of God and said, Look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Stephen, one of the few men ever had the opportunity to get a glimpse of heaven. And what does he see? He sees Jesus standing. I'm reminded that when Jesus ascended back into the heavens, the Bible says that he went back into the heavens and he is seated at the right hand of God. He is seated. But not here. He's standing. I believe that as Jesus was watching Stephen, he, got, he gets out of his seat and he goes over to the portals of heaven and he looks down. And I believe the biggest smile on the face of the Lord was upon him when he sees Stephen. And Stephen sees Jesus. See, when someone stands for another person, it's usually for their honor. If the president was to walk into this building, what would we do? We would stand. In his honor. The Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the Master of all, is now standing in the honor of Stephen. How can a man die like that? How can a man experience what he experienced? He did it because the grace of God and the glory of God. Warren Wiersbe said this. 
He saw the glory of God and the Son of God standing to receive him to heaven. He stood up to welcome to glory the first Christian martyr. The first that many would follow after. 1 Samuel chapter 2 verse 20 says, For them that honor me, I will honor them. I want to ask you a question. Doesn't Stephen almost make you want to stand up for him? Why did Stephen become the man that he was? Because he saw what Christ had did for him. And the same thing that Christ did for Stephen is the same thing he has done for you and me today. If you don't know Christ, my friend, you are missing something that is so special. And I'm here to tell you that He wants to change your life. He wants to bring new life into you in such a manner to make you a man like a Stephen. I like to be a man like Stephen that will stand for my Christ no matter what the cost, no matter what I, the price may be. How about you? Are, willing, are you willing to allow the Holy Spirit to endue you with His power? Surrender. Surrender my life, my all. D.L. Moody one time had heard someone preach. And he was preaching on the filling of the Holy Spirit. And he said that you need to give him a key to every part of your life. About that time, Moody pulls out his pocket. A set of keys just like this. And he took those keys off of the key ring and he placed it on the altar and he says, Lord, this is my heart. I give it to you. He takes another key. He says, this is my body. I give it to you. He takes another key and says, this is my mind. I give it all to you. He takes another key. He says, this is your family. I give it all to you. I give you everything. And he did that until he went through every aspect of his life. And every key that he had was laid there upon the altar. Are you willing to give the Lord the keys to your life? I challenge you today. Lord Jesus, oh, we thank you for Stephen. Thank you for the way that He lived and thank you for the way that he died. Thank you for the way that he has given us an example here today. May the Holy Spirit of God move among us as he did in the days of Stephen. And we will see 
lives changed and transformed for your glory. In Jesus' name.